0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. It's the review uh, iteration of the podcast this week. We are live on a Sunday afternoon after all of the round-free action NRLs concluded alongside the other rounds uh, below and alongside it. Joining me this week on the podcast is Bertie. West Tigers are 0-3. Beautiful, mate. Well said. And Ham. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he's cool. he's here in a good shape too And Hamish uh, once again unavailable But we'll hopefully have him on later in the week For the preview edition of the podcast Let's get right into it boys Absolutely mammoth result down in Melbourne Parramatta Eagles 28 Prevailing over the Melbourne Storm 24 uh, For the Storm it was Brandon Smith A Nick Mini double And Ryan Pappenhausen scoring uh, Paps was 4 from 4 from the kicking tee For the Eels, Quentin Gufferson, Wunga Blake, Tom Opachuk, and a double to Ray Stone, alongside another flawless kicking performance from Mitchell Moses. Both kickers obviously having their radars on. Uh, Mitch missing a couple of field goals, one in regulation, one in golden point. But um, I wonder if he got credited for a try assist for that second one, eh? Uh, Let's uh, look at the team stats quickly. Uh, The Eels actually down on possession in this game. 52% favoring the Storm, 48% to the Eels. Time possession slightly in Melbourne's favor as a result. Eels completing at 78% to Melbourne 68% though. It's a nice little positive to come out of that. Uh, But Melbourne ahead on most key attacking indicators uh, except for kick return meters. So they actually had seven line. It was, this is funny because I just finished um, doing a blog on this, but the stats last night said the line breaks were eight to three in Melbourne's favor, but they've updated it since to say seven to five. So much healthier split there for the Eels. Uh, but the average play-the-ball speed has blown out massively. Melbourne, 3.38. That is very fast in the context of average play-the-ball speeds in the NRL. And they managed to spoil the ruck massively against the Eels. 4.13 average play-the-ball speed for the and gold. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the Eels, though, uh, once again, not the cleanest defensive game in the front line. 83.37% effective tackle rate. Uh, 44 missed tackles, 26 ineffective. It's not great numbers, and it follows up the first two rounds where we had similar sort of metrics. Not great, but the cover defence yesterday was fantastic. Melbourne not exactly uh, juggernaut defensively either on the weekend. They had just under 86% effective tackle rate, 32 missed tackles for themselves and 20 ineffective tackles. Uh, but the Eels were ahead on errors in a, in a sorry in a positive way. They were ahead on errors Panelists conceded. Uh, two really nice metrics there, but just behind on ruck infringements, three to two. Uh, and we only used five interchanges. So I wonder if there was a, a few uh, head, in, a head assessment. Well, there was one head injury assessment for the Eels. So just had two injury, uh, so two substitutions up out Yeah, sleeve.
1: Bailey came off for our HIA. That's, that's
0: right. The Bailey was the HIA. Good call there, Bertie. Mm. Uh, in terms of player stats, boys, just quick before we get into the uh, nitty gritty of what you guys want to talk about uh, Ford Pack, excellent. Reg, just under 200. Junior, just under 200 on the ground. Laney, nearly 140. Pups, uh, Papa 160, Nathan Brown 150. Uh, huge work from the guys in the middle there. They sort of got beaten initially by Melbourne in that first half, but that second half they just surged and the, the Storm really struggled to go with the Eels and they hit the accelerator. Um, yeah, so really good stuff there. A couple of players that we're probably going to pick out now, but uh, Dylan Brown, another outstanding game by the numbers. Quentin Gufferson, his best game of the season so far. Yeah, this was a a huge game and, and there's a player I haven't mentioned yet, but we'll, I'll let you guys introduce him because uh, if you look at the, the run meters, it was only three runs for 27 meters for this particular bloke, but he scored two tries and completely changed complexes complexion of his game. But, yeah, where, where do you guys want to start when it comes to our four-point victory over Melbourne and for Paul Crawley, our first win in Melbourne against Melbourne outside of origin since the Brian Smith era. So, yeah, hooray. Um,
2: well, if I'm, you know, if I'm Paul Crawley, I'm going, well, I'm adding another qualifier. That's no, right. I got
0: a champion again. Yep.
2: So uh, we didn't, you know – Fair play to Phil Crawley. We didn't uh, – Phil, Phil or Paul? Paul. Is it? Ah, oh, Phil's his – Phil, I don't know. Whoever it is, Phil McGrane. Um <laughs> uh That <ooh>. was <laughs> um, oh, bad, sorry. Um, yeah, just a forward pack. Like, what a difference Nathan Brown makes. Just leading that line speed, getting that aggression. Um, we've we've missed it from him the first – well, we got in the second half when he come on off the bench. We missed it from him. We've missed it from Morata. You know, just even if you don't make the tackle, just getting up in their faces early and really look, putting pressure on them. Um, he did it to so for Solomoner a lot, who's a dog and should have been sent sent off.
0: Oh, what a mess that situation
2: um, was. We'll talk about that later. Um, my boy Dylan Brown. Mm-hmm. It's only been two games, but they have been you know it's been three games, I should say. Two of them have been very good, certainly early in the season. But I you know he's had his his doubters um, leading into the season, seeing saying he needs more in attack. And I've just been saying he just needs time and because he's only a young fella, but the signs are looking good for him.
0: Let's talk about Dylan then, Ham, because it's a great launching point. He copped a lot of criticism last year for, I suppose, sluggish or ineffective contributions to the attacking side of things. Obviously, he remains, bar none, the best defensive half in the competition by miles. It is day weight the second. But he was playing on what a lot of people perceive as the wrong side or his least preferred side when he was switch things up uh, for the first part of the season or, or the good sort of first three quarters of the season, got back to his preferred edge at the end and started looking a little bit more comfortable. And he's really taken that and run this year. And and speaking of running, that's been such a strength. He absolutely eviscerated the Melbourne right edge. Jerome Hughes and and, uh, Felice Cafusi are still grasping at thin air as we speak after that first try for Quentin Gufferson. But he's really starting to find his straps with the passing. He's also becoming more of a reliable kicking option for the Eels. And it's easy to forget that he is still just 22. And, and that maturation of all those different facets of his game are starting to come together this year.
2: Yeah, exactly. I just think, you know, we, we, we're we really quick to judge these young players, whether the, and especially ones coming through in spine positions. Sometimes they just need time just to, you know, I think Matty John said the first 100 games as an NRL half, you're just surviving. So the fact that Dylan was up there being the best defensive half in the game, he was, you know, the attack will come. Mm-hmm. And the attack sort of, you know, it is again, coming now. Yeah. very, very, only two games. But so far, if he keeps producing games like this, you know, the, the knockers saying get rid of him and all that, I think they'll have, you know, a bit of egg on their face.
0: 11 runs, 126 metres, six tackle breaks, line break, line break assist and a pair of tri-assists for him. That is a pretty handy game, on top of his, you know, defensive excellence as well. Uh, you know, making thirty-six tackles and missing just the one, which by the way, the most tackles in the team, is I Papaliti forty three, Nathan Brown forty-two. Uh, Dylan's right up there. He gets through a lot of work and he is the, the one guy that is always there in cover, whether it's on his side of the field or not. So really, really encouraging signs to see Dylan starting to hit his straps. What caught your eye, Bertie, in terms of uh most important stuff on the field?
1: Um Lee, He just he just—I hate saying it. Like we're gonna miss him, but he just seems like he's so hard to tackle. And you know, for a guy who's like, like okay, he's—he's he's, you know he's built, but he's not tall. So like he's got the leg drive, and it doesn't. Very rarely do you see his momentum stop, unless it's, you know there's a gang tackle. And I just feel as though like I might, you know, it's only taken three games, but he's you know when he said he's gonna do it for the season, he's gonna not gonna worry about. He's not packing it in yet. Like he's gonna give it all. I believe him now because mm-hmm. you know. Besides his um, defence, you know, on the line where, you know, he rushes in a bit, or not rushes in, but he he's too far inwards. He's pretty, he's so solid, and I don't know what it is, but Melbourne Storm bring out the best scramble defence in us. I don't know, like, every other team where, you know, we struggle, but for Storm, they just, it's like they got the hips when they go out wide, you know? They, like And, then, like, our defence in the middle is so solid, like, we help, we're we holding people up, we're stopping them, like, Bromwich, nasty and everything, and then we do so well, and they just score, like, just some like soft tries or like just fluke tries like you look at the the mini one well, the second one when they kick it
0: melbourne like. did their homework they obviously circled this game as well as much as we circled it for our our calendar you don't score that kind of try unless you're putting in a bit of extra video work to see what the defense on the opposition side of things is doing and they obviously spied a little uh chink outside of our 20 where we tend to play up and in too far and yeah you know, uh, they almost butchered it with a bounce pass to Munster, but he scooped it up and got the kick away expertly. But, yeah, that was interesting to see. Uh, but you made a good call about Ice. He had a very good game. I mean, that comes back to our forwards just playing their skins or playing out of their skins, sorry. Uh, you know, Big Reg, Junior. And, you know, full credit to Junior too. Uh, Junior Paolo, it should be said as well, multicultural round deals, releasing a, a social media tweet that uh, helped explain the correct pronunciation for Junior's surname. Uh, he copped a... Uh,
1: Suspect. It's stupid. It's Sus- just because he's Suspect. second man in, Suspect you're allowed is, to do that.
0: Is a is a yeah very generous way of putting it. That was a very dangerous cannonball, right at the lower part of his ankles. Yeah, it's, it's a all,
1: cannonball, yeah. no matter how many people are in the tackle. And of course, yeah. it
0: was a Sophie Solomona. and Quentin Gufferson after he scored his uh that fantastic try that Dylan Brown set up was remonstrating quite visibly upset that uh, neither Klein nor the bunker deemed that to be uh, dangerous contact. And to be mean, once again, the, the match review committee has come out and said, well, it wasn't dangerous contact. So whew, let's, let's talk it's about what constitutes dangerous contact, boys, because there is still a lot of good to talk about in this game. But Nails on Sofa Solomon, we mentioned the cannonball attempt on Junior. We also had an attempt on – he had a running battle with Makahesi Makatoa where Mako got the last laugh with. But there was a number of uh, skirmishes before. There was a very cheap shot that was reckless, if not intentional, knowing Sofa that It was the, intentional. That the referee missed. And the bunker then found, but didn't go back and sin bin him with, which we've seen in, in for the Eels and other teams, the bunker has the discretionary powers to go back and sin bin, but they didn't enforce it in this game. And so Osofa almost has committed two pretty egregious fouls in this game, not been penalised for either, and has come away with a fine when all was said and done.
1: Because the NRL have literally gave everyone a clean slate this year. But That's that, why he's got you're, you're,
0: you're right about insofar as a queen slate, but that doesn't mean he couldn't have gotten a grade two or three charge.
1: I, I I don't know. I I literally do not know what is like. What do you have to do to get a week now? Like, do you have to el- like do you have to elbow someone in the throat? Yeah. Well, do you have to? <laughs> we're
0: gonna we're gonna find out because that happened in the Newcastle Penrith game.
1: What What was more worse, right? So I don't know. Did you guys watch the Cronulla Sharks and Dragons game?
0: I, I, I uh, caught it. Was yeah, the yeah.
1: First half. yeah, yeah. Well, did you see the Jordan Stewart? Do you yeah, think I that's worse? Yeah, I know than I know what exactly last? what you mean.
0: Yeah, and it, if they if they were fair Dinkum, they would have been treated the same and been both been sin bent. Like they should have both been sin bent.
1: Uh, he even that- dropped the ball and he got away with it. This guy gets away very
0: everything. Yeah, well, yeah.
2: he does. And and the thing is, you, you watch the Melbourne team. They were the ones to bring this shit in in the mid two thousands. They brought all this stuff in: chicken wings, crushes, all the wrestling techniques and tactics. And then one little thing happens to them, and they're the biggest whingers about it. Mm-hmm. Seriously, when, watch whenever Papinow, ha- when the Howzo gets tackled or Munster, and they're just, they're a big bunch of sooks. They're a bunch of sooks. And this this is Sova Sofa Solomona, and you want to compare it to the Jaden Sewer incident. Okay, the Jaden Sewer one, the players falling. Makatawa was being held up. He did not drop, he did not do anything. So he's in that static position the whole time that Sova Solomona has time to line up. Who's going in for a tackle?
1: Once, once on a halfback, one's on a, a you know twenty-eight year old vet or whatever it is, you know, yeah. like no name. Like that's what's disgusting because and this blood yeah. does it like a swinging arm,
2: shoulder charge to the mm. back of the head. Now it's not as we was it, was it last year or the year before we played South Sydney and they went back seventy meters to give them a penalty against us. It yeah, it was the year, last year before. I don't remember. It was, it was and the year great. before
1: was against Newcastle against Ponga. That's right. And did we we had players simbin for that? Mm-hmm. Not simbin, but they gave away a penalty after the set. That was on tackle one, and they came back That's all right. the way. That's right. Well,
2: in this instance, what should what should have happened was the referee go over to Sophie Solomon and go, "You're sent off." That's you know, we saw Mitch Barnett <laughs> throw an elbow to a static player. To me that's just as bad because you've got two players holding him up, you're attacking the back of someone's head with the swinging arm shoulder charge. He should have been sent from the field, sent straight to the judiciary, no MRC about it. And these weak dogs in the MRC and the bunker, they talk they talk about player welfare, player welfare, player welfare. You just had someone get attacked from behind. And what Big Nelson so of Sofa Solomon, two metres tall, hundred and thirty kilos. What sort of man is he? What sort of in man a, is he? You know I was waiting. Behind?
1: The ironic, the the ironic thing I was waiting for the HIA bunker to pull Makato off because he got hit in the head. That's what I was waiting for to be the cherry on top. You know, he's on report. Makato's gone. You know, sent to the HIA and no penalty given. Like if that was eighteen all of the last minute, we can win the game. Like I don't understand why they do not go back. I don't know. And
0: what is, is weak, troubling? More. What is this troubling for me is as much as the on-field referee and the bunker are messing this up, the match review committee are enabling this entire sort of open season on players because they are endorsing and validating this foul play. Jaden Campbell, no charge mm-hmm. on the field or post-game. Cronulla Sharks, Teague Wilton got the one charge for the off the ball hit on Moses, but that ignores Jesse Ramian leading with the knees on a try, plus all the other stuff that happened. And then we see yesterday, Sophie Solomon gets the one charge, and it's for a $1,000 fine once you takes the guilty plea. Uh, is it we, open? Is it yeah, open season we, on Parramatta Eels? Is that what the judiciary and match committee want to say? Because how much, we've made this point before? Usually we we sit here and we grumble and we gripe and we say, you know, this is going to go too far and someone's going to get hurt, and then that's when they're going to come down and and you know put the foot down and say you can't do this anymore. We started the season with Sean Russell getting his chest caved in and his lung punctured.
2: It doesn't. We get started it. the season before
1: this happened when Tyrell Fulmeadow. Correct
0: hip drop tackle and Hayes Dunster knocked him out for the entire season. You know, who knows well, how, he how much it gets back exactly.
1: And exactly. Ray Stone got Ray Stone got a, what did he get? He got a fine last week for that um the cannonball tackle, whatever you did, you know, the penalty they end up like he got a he got a fine. You're telling me that's the same incident as Nas. Like I don't I yeah.
0: I don't get it. it. It it boggles the mind and you're left to say, Well, where do we go? It's gotta be a star player, right? It's gotta be a James Desko or Tom Tobovich gets done by something similar and then I tweeted
1: that. Yeah. One then, of them's gonna get broken ribs from a sliding yeah. knee and then that's then when they'll change the rule. That's right,
0: and then someone's gonna get Eight, nine, ten weeks for sliding for the knees, and then mm-hmm. it's going to make the Jaden Campbell stuff look farcical. But no one really cares because until their team's impacted, it doesn't make a difference. And the NRL doesn't care until a star's hurt.
2: And we don't have anyone in the media bringing it up.
0: Yeah, well, to to be fair, Mick Annis did uh, start tearing into – he did tear into Sophie Solomon and saying it should have been a sim bin, But that's about it. <laughs> that's,
1: that's- Do you think it's on Brad Arthur? I'm not going to ask him to start. You know, because you can't talk before, before the judiciary. But do you feel as though he has to come in and say, I'm losing players to foul play, and I'm sick of it? Like, well, he's not blaming he's – not, he's not
0: altering I, I do, like, charges. I do agree, agree Bertie, because we actually did see the club take a rather unusual step where they did an, a correct official channel sort of complaint with what happened against Cronulla, but it was also, you know, sort of leaked out into the media that they were not impressed and Marco O'Neill made some terse comments about, you know, the entire process and, and where the club is standing. So that's probably a step in the right direction, but I do think that you're right.
1: No. I feel as though Brad Arthur has to say like, I, I, Look, let's be honest. We know who Mark O'Neill is. The, the regular fan player doesn't know who he is. But if Brad Arthur comes out, like, look at Barrett said uh, after the uh, Broncos game, I'm going to teach my players to dive, essentially. We just need Brad Arthur to come out and say, I'm sick of my players getting taken it legally." True or not? Mm-hmm. He's not lying. He's talking. He's, he's spitting facts.
0: Yeah. That's I'll, what's I'll, I'll, I would certainly endorse Brad teeing off in a presser uh, when it comes Especially to their stuff.
1: What we
2: saw from Mustafa Solomon, that's for him to be able to stay on the field. It's it's, it's it's disgusting, and it's it's open slather on eels players, and they want to talk about player welfare. Well, they they don't care. They just don't care. It's it's all talk. It's there's no action.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh, well, at least we got that off our chest, boys. Uh, there is another player we should be talking about. The uh, I mean, there's several players we should be talking about. Let's start with Ray Stone. I mentioned it. You know, you look at the numbers, and it was three runs for 27 meters, which is you know one of the least effective bench games you're going to see in a vacuum.
2: But I will off- tell you what. For those two tries he scored, he probably ran about five metres total. Mm. So the other run must have been a really good one. I don't
0: remember it, though. Uh, But uh, Stoney, unfortunately, it cost him dearly. Um, We suspect it's going to be an ACL tear on that right knee, which would mean he's played his last minutes, his last game for the Blonde Gold, being an incredible servant of the club and a fantastic young man to follow from his rise in the Holden Cup, when we first saw him back in 2017 up until now where he's become a a stalwart on the bench for us, but he changed the complexion of that game. He came on, he gets the first try where he's sort of the only player from both teams competing for that bomb on the goal line, can't quite bring it in, but manages to bat it back and get the connection off Naz's head. Uh, And, you know, who knows, if Naz gets Simbin, maybe he's not in that position (laughs) once he comes back onto the field to, to get his head in the right place for the Eels, but he recovers it and scores one of the more unlikely tries you'll see. And then the second try, the one in golden point, that epitomizes everything about Ray Stone to be in a game that torrid and that end to end where both teams are obviously sucking in the big ones because it's been so fast, even with the slow rucks, it was such a fast game because they were going end to end and he makes sure he is on side. And the only player that is close to the ball when it takes that deflection off the uprights, watching that game with uh, everyone online, uh, the first reaction was, wow, he's going to score. Oh no, he has to be offside because every, every, every time you see someone pick up a ball off the uprights like that, whether it's a, a field goal or a penalty goal or anything like that—you know—people just tend to be offside, and you get the wide angle, and he is miles onside. That—that that is pure dedication and commitment and determination. You only do that because you are super fit and super driven to be in the right spot at the right time, and that is just but, race stone to a tee.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't watch the game live. Uh, circumstances prevented me from doing so, so I was offline from twenty past five until two o'clock, and then when I saw that field goal. And I saw Stoney pick it up and that, pardon my French, can't decline, went, no, try. I'm going, oh, he's offside. But
0: what? what is the touchy looking at? I, I do knows? not understand. Uh, what are they looking at? I, the Who touchy, it, on, on that field goal, the touchy essentially has one responsibility to make sure he, he's looking at the blockers and he's looking to see if the chases are onside. The The referee handles everything else. I just don't understand. But
2: This this is why we need to implement – this is – I'm going to do a Gus Gould here. This is why we need to implement me as head of referees because, to me, there would be four touch judges, mm-hmm. one Amen. on either side for either team, but that's neither here nor that there. That way you get
0: police, correct policing the 10 metres for both teams on both sides and you get correct policing of forward passes from the attacking team on both sides.
2: That is correct. But I was going, oh, He's offside. He's offside. Yeah. And then it went to the replay, and I, I jumped up out of the lounge and went, he's onside! He's onside! Yeah. <laughs> and I just – I couldn't believe it. And, you know, Stoney copped a lot, rightfully so, for that cannonball, stupid cannonball tackle the last week. But, boy, did he make it up for it this week. Like, to beat Melbourne in Melbourne in Golden Point, when we've won 5 of 16, they've won 9 of 16 in Golden Point, and we should have had the game won earlier – but some stupid decisions prevented us from doing that the fact that he was able to pick the ball up put the big the big right footstep on Jerome Hughes and seeing all those Melbourne pricks crying
0: and Jesus oh. crying in the post game I think uh, even the captain Jesse Bromwich was bemused when asked to explain how the eels had gotten that free game winning streak against him he sort of just was like we should be we should be beating them like, well, I don't know about no, that. you shouldn't. Yeah. Because we're
1: fucking like, massive. Like, I'm sure everyone's watched the, the incident like a 100 times. I've watched it a thousand There's two players out there who had high IQ f- football right there. Jerome Hughes, who went back because he got a charge for the field goal. He went back to play in case this, you know, doesn't go in or comes off the post. And Ray Stone's the other one because everyone else gave up on the play. Even Young Wills in the background, 20 yards behind Ray Stone. Mm-hmm. And Ray Stone, he's like the typical typical player. The coaches, like, the coach will say, Do this, and he will do it. Yeah. Play it to the whistle. Yeah. Just always go for a chase after every kick. And, like, this is probably like, the first time he's ever done a step because he just runs straight at
0: people. I don't know. Stoney scored, I think, three career tries, I want to yeah. say. And the other career tribe he scored before today was an absolute cracker where he stepped through the line from like 40 meters out. <laughs> he's, he's got a step on him, Stoney.
2: Against Cronulla last oh, year, yeah, wasn't it? Correct. Uh. Yeah. Uh,
0: it is so unfair, it is so cruel that his time with the Eels ends this way if it is an ACL, which we do suspect it is, given what NRL Physio has been saying on Twitter, the mechanism of that injury uh, all but leaves an ACL tear as the only real option. Um, but he is an absolute warrior. Uh,
1: Redcliffe's got a bargain. It, I don't yeah. care what and you that, say.
0: And that, that's that's where I, was, where I was going is I am so happy for Stoney that he had his future locked up regardless of the injury that happened this week, and he can now go – and rehab and and be one of the foundational members for that expansion club, and he's going to be huge for him because it, the only thing Stony lacks is size, and he makes mm. up for that in so many other areas. He is a warrior. He is and like he he leads the way in the preseason. And you know you look you talk about the cannonball being costly last week. That was you know such an antithesis of what he usually is on the field. And we saw that this week where up against one of the best teams in competition, he completely tilts the field. So
2: and from center.
0: Yeah, exactly. Forced into the game at center after Bailey Simonson was HIA'd, which then meant we had Will Pennicini on the wing, I believe. Uh so you know, messy, messy reshuffle shades of the game against Melbourne in the finals, uh in twenty twenty, I wanna say. And we, we prevailed this time, part in part because of, or in large part because of Stony. So Wish him nothing but the best. Wish him the speediest of recoveries. Obviously, we hope that it's not an ACL. Just everything points towards it being an ACL. Uh, but yeah, one one of my favourite ills, without a doubt. And I will, I will, I'm happy he got the deal, but I will miss him, obviously.
2: Yeah, I've been a big big fan of Stoney. Yeah, you've been there from
0: day the day one with me, Ham. We yeah, we got so. we got the inside word on him being recruited to the club. Uh, you know, care of our you know sort of relationship we had with the juniors. Uh, we saw him. Come across in Holden Cup or Jersey Fleggers would be now these days, and be such a difference maker uh, across the entire back row and even in the centres back then. Then too, uh, such a you know fantastic player, and to see him go on and become a, a regular contributor for the Eels has been so awesome. So thank you for everything, Stony. And you know, if if we do go on to win the the big title, the big dance this year, uh, you can be a, a, you know very uh, safe and secure in the knowledge that you made a big difference to that charge, and he'll get the ring, no doubt.
1: I mean, you only have to look at, like, within within two years of him being recruited to the club, he was captain of the New South Wales Cup team. Mm-hmm. I know it's New South Wales Cup, but he hadn't made his debut yet he, for first grade. That's right, because he, he, he set captain. standards.
0: He set standards. That yeah, is All so. he always does is he set standards. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have him at the club, and I wish him the best in his time with Redcliffe or the Dolphins, sorry. They're not the Redcliffe Dolphins, uh, nah, but let's let's talk be. about <laughs> let's talk about who else starred, boys. Oh, I, think I was, was going to
2: say that'd be a really nice way to end, but I want to talk about the game more. Yeah, we,
0: <laughs> yeah, we we don't want to disrespect Stoney's contribution, but there is more to talk about in this game. I think there was a pair of players on the one play at the end that really stood out to me. Uh, we saw big Shawnee Lane having another pretty reasonable oh. game on the edge, and then also um, I think I, I said the 60s. He was like one of those crocodiles out of water, where he's sort of just waddling along, and all of a sudden he explodes forwards. And, you know, gets the the catch, except this time we did the charge down. Uh, Huge play there. Tom Lopachik with the wherewithal to be in the spot and the vision to dive on that loose ball. He also scored a nice try, had some good contributions coming out of the back. Thought both those players were important on the day. Anyone else catch your eyes, boys?
2: Well, I just want to say on Sean Lane... That's the time when really you go for a charge down.
1: Retake. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. what was your hey, reaction? We, we've, talked, you we've talked
0: about low IQ charge downs are plenty. Uh, we, we've that seen, was high
1: IQ charge. We, down. Spent, we spent the last three weeks saying we don't want to see no more charge downs, and <laughs> <laughs> ended up winning. us the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh. that, 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 that
2: was that was a smart charge down. So Sean, it's not on a clearing kick. It's to save yeah, exactly the try or points.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sean Lane so, on the day. I mean, the numbers are solid. Fifteen runs, one hundred and thirty-six meters. He's got. Uh, is there A couple of tackle breaks there, no, no tackle breaks, but he also gets through a few tackles as well uh, 34 tackles, three missed. So that's not terrible 83 effective tackle rate on one of the harder positions to defend. But if you just look at what he was doing, Melbourne were barely containing him down that left edge. They got him, yeah,
2: he was, he was a menace for him, especially on those uh little short side yes,
0: plays. Yes, he's he, we're starting to use him the same way we used, or not quite the same, but in a similar concept, uh, to what Manu Mao used to do for us, Sam.
2: Absolutely, he's got that bit of ball playing. I thought a couple of times. There. He passed when he didn't need to pass and he didn't pass when he needed to pass. So if he can get that right, well, I think Laney's in, you know, if he keeps going the way he is, in for a really good year.
0: And I suppose the only other negative to talk about was I think Mitch made a very salient uh, – Mitch Moses, he's made a very salient comment post-game The Fox just saying that, uh, you know, we, we sort of make it hard on ourselves still. And you mentioned a, a little passage of play where they were set up for easy money. There Was a, was it an error from the Melbourne Storm that led to us getting a – it was yes. the drone who's kick out in the fall, I think. Uh,
1: yeah. That
0: led to us getting a, a very easy possession to set up for a field goal from in front. And we were there on the fourth tackle to just take one back to the sticks and give it to Moses. And, uh, he was overruled over court and we went to the left to where Sean Lane was, was sort of throwing the ball with the defense right in his face. He tried to tip it on, uh, that, that sort of stuff just, you know, it, it hurts you. And that, that's literally what Moses was saying. It was a gift, uh, one pointed to make it a two score game with just a handful of minutes left on the clock. Uh, You've got to go to – they're your percentage players. They're your bread and butter. You've got to go get them and bank them. And the,
2: That's oh, 100% it. Like, to me, that, that comes down to read money. I don't care how loudly Dylan Brown or whoever is screaming on that left-hand side. You've got to be – you've got to know in the game, picture, game situation. Big picture. Like big you. picture.
0: That, that is what needs to be in your head the entire time. Like, okay, maybe there is an opportunity down the left to go to the short side, but, but there's only one, only one tackle left in this set. There's only three minutes left in this game. We go back to the posts, we get the seven point lead. Melbourne need uh, uh, not just a miracle, but a miracle of all miracles to score twice in that in the context of the game.
1: We
2: were we didn't even need to go one back into the middle. It would true, have been the pass would have been perfect straight to uh straight to Moses, straight on the chest. He was I'm pretty sure he was straight underneath the black dot. Yep. So and you know what, even if even if the defence rushes up on him, like we, we had that play, was it against Canberra last year? where we had Brownie run it into the line and then throw it out the back to Mitchell. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That was the, a couple start. of years ago. That, that was such a great fake out. Yeah, that was a cool concept. Uh, because you got,
2: you know, they're expecting, oh, the, he's going to try and get for a quick play of the ball. So the defense softens up, expecting to just take an easy tackle, and then the ball's fired out the back. I'm sorry, but that was really dumb from Reid. That was yeah, really, yeah. really dumb. And, and it comes off the back of a poor game, I thought.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, you know, swings and roundabouts. Reed did have a poor game. There was a drop ball that led to a try. Uh, there was also a couple of missed tackles where that led to crucial line breaks. It happens. You know, bad games happen. Thankfully, on the flip side, I thought Quinton Guffson had his best game of the season to help alleviate or take up some of the slack uh, alongside for Moses and, uh, and Dill. So sort of you, you lose on one side, but you gain on the other, which was nice. But yeah, eventually the Spine will get together on the same page, you know, 1-6-7-9 one, one, and, and have a terrific game all together. But yeah, definitely not one of Reed's best games, but it happens.
1: I mean, I was having flashbacks to um, the Panthers semifinal when Ray paid, when Ray passed it to Junior. Like, I just I don't know is he, is the dummy half not hearing Moses? Because usually Moses is like the the one talking out no, there. You, so you like have
0: to, you, that, I, you have to know it, as a dummy half where the ball is going on the fifth tackle, or fourth tackle. Yeah. That was just an overcall that didn't that's, that backfired.
2: It, it, I don't care if Moses isn't even calling for it. You'd look up and you see because he was set up for it. Mm. you you have a quick look and you go okay that's where i need to get the ball there's two minutes to go we're up by six we're kicking this field goal you don't you don't go the short side you just don't you don't go the short
1: side agreed
0: um anything else you want to talk about boys before we wrap it up and move on because there's plenty of
1: oh wonger blake man under the high ball oh. jesus like... <laughs> hey, look
0: look oh w- wonger, the first one was a tough drop the second one yeah. he was clearly inside his own head after the first drop um it was a, it was a mixed bag, but we did get to see some of the best of Wanga. He yeeted Ryan Pappenhausen into round four. That was yeah. a, that was a terrific try there. The the second Dylan try assist for that one. But yes, teams are clearly going to look at the tape there and say we can target him. And on the flip side, the was obviously going to say we're going to take him back to basics of training, get him on the high ball, test him out, get him back, you know, confident and, and feeling good. And every now and then, you're going to get a nasty, you know, torpor or fader. The the guys in the NRL are so good at putting on that nasty uh, sort of you know. Both ways swing on the balls these, ga- these days, sorry. But yeah, you know, we, the reality is Wonga Blake's playing out of position in a backline that has already got enough of change. It's a tough gig. He's doing a reasonable job, but he's, yeah, certain, sure. he's certainly going to be dirty on himself for dropping those two catches. I can tell you that.
2: And the thing is, he's t- like, he's good under the high ball when he can get his hands up and take it sort of yeah, AFL high pointy, style. It.
0: Yep, exactly. Mm. Yeah.
2: But he had the big, this might get me cancelled, I don't know, but the big Fijian hug. When they go to catch a ball, like a lot of
1: oh, fingers, yeah.
2: they come out with their arms sort of out wide, yeah, you know, and they go yeah. to hug the ball. Where like just it comes off their chest, out. yeah. To, you know, obviously doesn't play cricket, but when you're catching a ball, cricket, you got to just have fingers to the sky and just catch the ball like that. Don't go in with your yeah. arms out. And he's, hug it. He's making contact catch the it with the chest your hands, chest first with, with your arms and yeah. chest. Yeah. 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 It, is also
0: Cradle if, it. it is also worth mentioning that two drops, but he also baited out two panelists who have been taken out in the air. So mm. it was it wasn't all you know doom and gloom, but clearly some work needs to go into the the process there for Wanger, and I imagine that's going to be the focus at training. Um I don't think the dragons will be as good as exploiting it as the Melbourne Storm, but definitely something to follow coming into round four. All right, boys, you want to move on? Yeah, it's good to yeah, know what okay. a win. So well, We had a, win. We had a, a win. fantastic win in the NRL, free straight for Parramatta, their first win in Melbourne outside of Origin since Brian Smith days, whatever you want to say. Melbourne clearly are bunnies, but unfortunately the good luck didn't flow onto our <laughs> ladies in the NRLW. They had a, a brutal loss to the Brisbane Broncos. That was injury and insult all in one. 38-4 uh, for the reigning champs, the Free Peters, Brisbane, Emily Bass, Amy Turner, uh, Shanae, uh sorry Sinead, I've got this wrong, uh, Chesoka. Uh, Hagija Mosby Ali Brigginshaw Amber Hall and Sinead again scoring in the 68th minute Lauren Brown going 5 from 7 for the conversions for the Eels it was Ellie Johnson scoring in the 11th minute this was a day when nothing went right for the girls right down to poor you know Bertie Vettie Welsh what, doing what we suspect like Stoney was an ACL non-contact uh, at that point it just all the enjoyment all, all the anticipation and Brisbane obviously gotten out to a hot start a couple of tries in the first 6 minutes so the Eels were you know having to dig out of a hole again but That just took all enjoyment out of the game for myself. Uh, It didn't help that uh, Badger had a terrible game for the whistle, I felt like. (laughs) There was a a lot of missed calls, bad calls, no calls uh, happening that tended to favour the Brisbane Broncos, but our girls just got into a massive hole once Bo went down and could not get out of it.
2: It seemed like uh, the Broncos kept their best game for last and we kept our worst game for last. I just had a look. It was the biggest winning margin uh, by the Broncos this year and our Mm -hmm. biggest losing margin so, you know, the first season in, or new season altogether, obviously some of these girls have played together, whether it be in other NRLW teams or in the Harvey Normans Women Premiership under New South Wales Rugby League banner. Um, and, of course, the Brisbane Broncos, you know, three-peat. They've got Ali Briginshaw, Millie Boyle, a whole host of uh, Australian and Queensland.
0: Yeah, and it new is, South Wales it players. is the, the equivalent of the 90s NRL Broncos, where it's yeah, the it Queensland, Queensland team or half the Australian team plus – Uh, They are an absolute juggernaut. Like you said, Ham, saved their best game by miles for last. They knew what was at stake, win by 20 points, get the minor premiership, top seed in the finals. And unfortunately, they turned it on, and we just had bad luck, some bad play, and an all-around bad day.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, disappointing, but, you know, they're going to come back. um, Not sure when the second season 2022 starts, but hopefully they come back, um, you know, with some better combinations uh, maybe some new players, some young faces we'll about a team we'll be talking about later. Yeah,
0: exactly, and we'll talk about that very shortly. Yeah. Actually,
1: how about yeah. a settled lineup? You know, like a, it seems yeah. like there's a new halves combo each week, and I get there's only like what six, or four or five games. But
0: Man, that's that's the problem is you've literally got five games to figure stuff out, and sometimes it's not working, or there's injuries or COVID. You know that happened to the Parramatta, and you got to yeah. just roll off the punches and try and get your best you know seventeen players out there, and it just doesn't happen. So, like,
1: with, with, with I'm not disrespecting Maddie Stadden. I just feel as though Night Tokotoku is, is the better running half, and the, like she creates stuff. And I just feel as though, even though our wingers, like you know, yeah, like I just that, we that, just
0: it's a legit question, Bertie, um, and it's definitely going to be something the Eels have to because every player is going to be a free agent at the conclusion of the postponed 2021 season. The Eels are going to have to figure out who they want to prioritize on on an attempt to retain, who they're going to build around, who they want to target as a critical recruit externally. And then they also got to balance out of looking at Natasha Gale because there are some options there, Ham, like we, got, we sort of alluded to. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting process to see how they piece together a squad for the second competition this year, the actual 2020 NRLW, 2022 NRLW. Sorry, but we're gonna we'll talk about that in depth when it happens. But it's been a, it was a fun process. I really enjoyed watching the girls, the ladies, and Dean Witters go to work. Some real promising signs there for the structures in place at the club, and unfortunately, it just fell short. And they'll learn from that.
2: Yeah, they earth some young players that are probably going to hopefully stick with Parramatta. Um, you know, I think they've got a point system in the NRLW, so uh, won't be able to, you know, players will have to move around. But, you know, your young Christian Pio, hopefully can keep her. I thought she was really good. Mina, mean, Hita, good. Mina Mina Hanisi' mm-hmm. uh, really come on strong at the end of the year. Bertie mentioned uh, Seriana and mm-hmm. uh, She's only a young half, so hopefully, you know, with more experience and more
1: confidence, um she cements that starting role. The dummy half um, is good as well. I reckon she yeah. – so Bo, uh, Bo's our number one player, and she's not bad at all. Yeah,
0: Maynard's pretty good. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. But, yeah, that's something we will follow as the details start to come out about how the clubs attack the recruitment for the 2022 season, given everyone's a free agent. Going to be plenty of stories, plenty of material. Uh, let's move on, though, boys. Uh, we look at the reserve grade game, and this one – uh, I don't think I've seen a park get more emergency cover in the first three weeks of, uh, of a competition than Kellyville has ham, but this was originally scheduled to be at Aubrey Keats Reserve, but I'm pretty certain he could have launched a boat um, in the Ingalls mm-hmm. down one side of the field. Uh, Eels then playing host to the Mounties in another uh, bonus or emergency home game, and they uh, prevailed in a tough, gritty contest in pretty testing conditions. It says that the, the weather was fine. I don't think that was the case. But parameter 18, <laughs> no, <definitely not. laughs> 18 over the Mounties 12 for Mounties. Uh, one time, uh, well, not even Eel, but reserve grader Watson Holetta for the club, scoring in the 12th minute. Josh Ralph also scoring. Uh, Jarrett Sublu getting both conversions from the tee. For the Eels, Big Solomon and Iduki open the scoring. Then John Olive and Zach Sini followed in an all backline line extravaganza for the long gold, rank and flaws from the kicking tee. And, yeah, this is, this is a game you went out to him, I believe, it wasn't pretty. And it was pretty intense at the end, but it's good to see the Eels uh, bounce back from a, a disappointing loss to the Newtown Jets last week. They just really shot themselves in the foot or feet, and they uh, got the two points this week.
2: Yeah, they started off really well, um, even in the conditions. They were holding the ball well. They were using it. Um, Bryce Cartwright was... So uh, Jack Williams was out injured. So what happened was Jaden Yates moved to dummy half, and then Brendan Hands, recruit Brendan Hands moved out of halves. But Caddy playing half back on that side of the field and was really turning it on. He was um he was the opposition's main priority whenever he was getting the ball. They're yelling out his name, yelling out offload, yelling out pass. They were really worried about him, so it's good to see that. His second half, not so good, had a couple of drop balls. Um but the two standouts to, oh the three standouts really it was the three starting middles, Offihiki Ogden, Kai Rodwell and Wittemu Gregg like Roddy just kept going. <laughs> you yeah, he's, know, he, he's he might have slowed engine, down and copped a couple of knocks, but he was, he was rowdy in this in this <laughs> game, rowdy-rody.
0: <laughs> That's good to hear the middles really sticking it to him. It's a position that you can always have, a, or you can never have enough depth of in the NRL. And I think any of those three, we saw Riramu named and on the bench for the uh, NRL game but didn't take part, hence why he backed up into the cup. Uh, but, yeah, having those guys fit and firing is a big plus for the team, big plus for the NRL squad, big plus for Brad Arthur. And, yeah, it, Tough game, tough conditions. It puts the Eels up into fourth at the completion of round three. They're chasing the Penrith Pampers at the top of the ladder and the Newtown Jets who knocked them over last week. Both those teams are undefeated on their first three games, but Eels just behind them. Yeah, good start by uh, Ryan Carr's men in a position to make a really nice uh, consolidation in the opening parts of the season and hopefully they're not too uh, inconvenienced by injury and and suspension and sort of NRL issues, which has been the real case for the last uh, game or two. Fingers crossed. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, before the Eels uh, knocked over the Melbourne Storm in the NRL, there was a game adjacent to Amy Park out at uh, Gosha's Paddock. Parramatta travelling down south to take on the undefeated Victoria Thunderbolts. Eels prevailing in this game 24-18. to 18. This was a tense one following, following the live updates on New South Wales Rugby League. Hopefully, Sixties uh, will give us some insight later in the weekend when he gets a chance to review some of the, the coach's tape. But in the time being, the Thunderbolts scored via Tira Ua, uh, Jonah Pezet, Ron Tuala, uh, Sua Luvi Falongo, and then, uh, Jonah Pezzet only kicking one from four critically. For the Eels, uh, Josh Tulpilotu opened the scoring in the first minute. Always love a first minute try for the ball and gold. Matthew Komalafi, on Blackburn, Dontore Lui, and then a Blackburn double in the 53rd minute, sealing the victory. Corey Fenning just two from five off the tee. He'll be better than that most weeks, I reckon. And yeah, this was a big result. Seeing the boys make that tough road trip, turn it into competition points is always encouraging. And, uh, they actually move up into second on the ladder now with a points differential of eight, but the two wins is uh the second best in the competition apparently behind the Roosters who haven't been defeated yet.
2: Yeah, like didn't watch the game. Always good to get a win and uh good to see Lockie Blackburn. We've picked him up from Penrith. Uh really big outside back. I was one. we were actually talking just just before this at the juniors how we'd fit him into the uh into the back line. Well we found him. We found a spot for him and he scores a double, so good to see.
0: Yeah, after 60 spoke so highly to me of Lockie, I've been really keen to see him, but unfortunately injury and now a road game down in Victoria meant that we haven't been able to see him live and looking forward to that. Really good to see that uh, Simon Wolford's charges are starting to build nicely in this grade. We had a lot of question marks about this team, Ham. So many unknown players from external means, like instead of recruitment or just, you know, being thrown up into a grade that they're quite young for and they're really just taking, taking it to the competition. Really, really cool to see. And let's move on to the junior reps. And we made the trip out to Redfern Park, which is now called Ironmark High Performance uh, Center. Sorry, And it was a mostly great day for the club. Uh, two really good wins, one bad loss. Let's start with that loss, mate. Get the bad out of the way. And that would have been in the SG ball. Eels falling to the Bunnies, 28-6. Yaya Yachi opening the scoring in the third minute and Riley Canning converting. But it was all messy and, and downhill from there. Thomas Fletcher, Carson Carho, Dranza Horta Thierry. Uh, Keanu Wright Robin, a former Real, and Emmanuel uh, Candidicus scoring for the Red and Myrtle and Tyron Munro, Tyrone Munro sorry, scoring four from five in terms of conversions. Yeah, this this was just the <laughs> it was a microcosm of all the issues that have really plagued both the mats and the ball, but obviously more so the ball today or or day uh, across the entire season.
2: Yeah, just look I, I understand that they're missing a lot of players due to them playing in Jersey Fleck. So I'll, I'll cut them slack that, you know, talent-wise that they are down. But it's, it's just these guys, like... It, it, there's a couple that I want to single out. There's Saxon Pryke and there's Dom Destratus. Now, Saxon is the captain this year. He's playing a year young. And Dom Destratus again, is playing a year young. These two, they don't leave anything out on the field. They're, they're putting everything into everything that they're doing. And I'm not, I'm not saying the other guys aren't. But these two, you just you really notice... That they're trying their absolute best to make sure that they're not losing twenty-eight to six.
0: That is fair. Yeah, I think that those guys are all heart, all effort. I think that Saxon's got a. An, an, uh, you never want to say, you know, guys, you know, get guaranteed to push for assistance, but I think he's got a good chance of going pretty high up the pathways. And I, I really like what Dom and his twin brother Raph too didn't get a chance to play, but I, I love what they bring to a football field. They're high energy, uh, make a bit of impact too if they if they're put into the right. When you're an edge backer on that situation, you need to be in the right, you know, sort of uh, opportunities that that come from, you know, across the park from the rest of the team and hasn't really been afforded to him this year, but he's still trying to make plays on the field and that's always really positive. And yeah, just uh, otherwise, just a really disappointing day for the team. Way too much drop ball, poor defense, poor discipline, uh, straying away from the game plan, from the, the structures that they knew were working in the early parts of that game. And to be fair, uh, a team, you know, short on its best players, being pushed up to Jersey Flair, or even beyond. But that's the reality of what happens when you're trying to prioritise an development. And it's been a, a pretty miserable year for the SG ball. Thankfully, uh, at least one other team or one of the other two teams that was struggling between the ball and the mats is starting to right the ship. Harold Matthews producing their best win of the season by some margin Ham, We saw this one and really enjoyed it. Uh, they went up ahead 32-4 to over the Bunnies. For the Bunnies, it was Tane Wilson scoring their lone try, the opening try of the game in the 11th minute, and then it was just all born gold. Michael Gabriel, Mohamed Al-Madin, Richard Blaze Blaze Talangi, uh, a double to Zadis Moagatutia, who came off the bench to play wing after an injury crisis, and then Luke Maroon sealing the deal in the 55th minute. And this was all for Mohamed Al-Madin, only kicking two from seven. This was a, a terrific team performance. Halfway through the game, they lost half their back line. In in the same stoppage of play, we saw Richard Pennicini have what looked to be a fairly serious knee injury, uh, and we saw the other centre, Junior Fagalele, get a pretty nasty ankle injury, and neither of them returned the play, and the Eels had to make the double change. Zayda's going out to the wing, and I'm not sure which back rower played the centres, Ham. Did you catch that one?
2: Uh, no, I didn't, actually. I think yeah, it might have been.
0: Maybe one of the bench boys? I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I um, didn't the, see that. The
0: The Eels just absorbed the blow and just went about business as usual. Buds, Matty Arfa led the team from the front. He had a, a handful of tri-assists, two uh, Zadis tutia and was just outstanding in general. Um, I thought the forwards really muscled up. We're talking about uh, Jacob Bobby John was excellent at prop forward. Kobe Herford was really good at the lock roll. Uh, the edge back rollers were busy. You know, the halves, Blaise Talangi, was tough as teak. They got through. You know, They weren't dominant, but they did exactly what they needed to do in that situation, and it was a really good team performance.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you, you don't want to think too, like it's always good to celebrate a win everything, but this Rabideaus team is quite lowly on the on the
0: ladder. And that, so, that's, and you're right about that, but at least they did what they needed to do against a team that was like that.
2: No, that's exactly right. This game sort of puts them up to fifth on the ladder, so it could give them a bit of confidence leading into the finals that, you know, that they can, they can do it. I think there's still some positional changes that could be made, um, but we're, we're like, when you get the the ball into the hands of Blaze Stallone, you can just—he's a footballer. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if going long term if his position is in the halves because he's, he's big body. He's just sort of, but he's, he's he's footballer. He's athletic. He knows what to do. Like there, there was a kick down field that uh, Matt Arthur put in, and the only chase his kick was chase his kick
0: chase is phenomenal. It is as good as you're going to find in the junior reps. He is. You, you talk about those off the ball things the stuff that Ray Stone does so well and is cut from the same cloth.
2: Yeah, that's right. And just – so it's like him, um, Michael Gabriel, I think he's another one that, you know, needs. he just needs to get involved in the game a little bit more, get his hands on the ball because he's making yeah, he, He's he, making huge runs. He's making exactly. huge in, inroads into the defence. And also he's pretty good at setting up his winger. Yeah, so as good as he is at running
0: the ball, the ball he's, he doesn't just hog it. He's happy to put uh, Luke Maroon into space when it happens.
2: But other than those two, I thought Shahbel uh, Shahidi had another strong game. Um, shout, Richard yeah. Penaseni was on his way of backing up the form from last week. Before knee injury, he did have a knee injury, and Kobe Herford he uh, had a good start. Sort of, he's he's a weird one, Kobe, because he has um he's not overly big, but he powers through, and he's got some nice hands. It's sort of he he's sort of he is a modern day ball playing lock.
0: Yeah, he's he's not freakishly large, but he is very fixed set. Like he's powerfully built, so. He had a really nice try assist to uh, Luke Luke Maroon, that is, in the last try of the game. Beautiful cutout pass uh, from pretty much playing left halfback in the context of the back line. He just threw the money ball. Um, but, yeah, like the physicality, uh, unbelievably, we, we spoke about this, how, how bad their start was to the year and how they would need results to go their way. Results have gone their way. They're holding up their end of the bargain. They're winning. They did that against the North Sydney Bears for a solid win and then a big win against the Bunnies. Like you mentioned, they're now on fifth, which means that in a top six, which we believe is what the competition still is, despite being back to 15 teams, they're in the finals right now. They have a game against the Steelers and a game against the Raiders, which is the important one. Canberra in six, and they have uh, the Dragons and the Seagulls chasing them. So the, the with the win against the Raiders, it doesn't guarantee a spot in the finals, but you, you knock over Steelers, and then you've got the Raiders, and that's going to be a bit of a, a two-way swing on the ladder there. So... They almost, if not outright, hold their own destiny to the finals now.
2: Absolutely. I think, you know, next week's key against the Steelers, but we'll talk about that later on.
0: Yep. And yeah, that'll be for the preview podcast. So really good win. Love to see the boys take it to adversity when it's tried to stick its uh, nose in their face. And, yeah, it sets them up for a charge to the finals some way, somehow. And it just shows you what the importance of holding true and, and just winning games. So good to see that. And then uh, the most uh, – I wouldn't say it was the best result of the day, or probably was, but – Uh, This is the team that we've come to be really excited to see in a given week, Ham, and it's Natasha Gale, the girls down there in the under-19s pathways, and they were taking on a team that they were meant to beat on paper, and that can be a bit of a trap game, but they did exactly what they needed to do with a 36-0 rout of the Rabbitohs. Debbie Dwahi started started the scoring in the first minute. We then had a a sensational double double to Rosemary Beckett, which were almost carbon copy tries with chips from midfield that Tamir Eliade picked up and then found support uh, which then saw Tamira Liadi get her own deserved a try in the 17th minute. KCQ, Melanuku, Akuala, Lala also scoring, and then Chelsea Steele coming on as a concussion substitute. She put the cherry on top of her try in the 55th minute. Alicia Bell, I say she had an off day of the tee, but she still kicked four from seven, and the ones she missed were just pushed uh, either side of the posts. Outstanding all-round game from the ladies. Uh, puts them right up into, what, second hand on the ladder? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, so that, what a what a jump they have made this year in the Tasha Gale, narrowly missed the finals last year, uh, but they sort of couldn't quite harness any momentum towards the back end of the season to make that uh, step into the postseason and this year, the only loss they've had was against the team that's ahead of them on the ladder and they really pushed them in round one and I would love to see a matchup against those two teams now, given what we've seen from our ladies.
2: Oh, absolutely, you know just, it's 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 a whole team effort, especially when you are in 36-0, the, the middles were going forward I really like both of our edges and not just the, the second rolls, but also the centers. Talisha Maiva, Kyle and Akila on both sides of the ball. They're just absolutely smashing the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, Patisa Leo, she has some really, really strong runs up the middle. She's a powerhouse. She yeah. And uh, Tamira Liati, we were, we were worried about um who was the other center. Just Tui last
0: shot. week was outstanding against the Bears, but Tamira came in and we didn't miss a step. So some great depth at that position for the club. And, like you said, just the talent across the edges has been outstanding all year.
2: I wonder if uh, Jacinta, was it Tui? Tui, yes. I wonder if she'd be up to changing her last name to Tia, because then we could have Tia and Tamara. <laughs> if that's a little bit of a throwback for, for you 90s kids. If you remember Tia and Tamara, I believe that was a TV show on Nick Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon. Maybe. <laughs> could have been on something. Oh, um, Tia
0: and Tamara, yeah, you're right. Yep.
2: So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> um but yeah,
0: just some 90s you know, sitcom those, pop nom- Those were pop-
2: really strong play, plays. And um of course I'll get him fed the ball by Talara Bamblett, or Tolara Bamblett's apologies, and Rosemary Beckett. These two have really come into their own and really starting to stamp their authority on games yeah. and Rosemarie, I think she's made the right decision coming up from the Dragons. And uh
0: well, we, we were talking I think about she's been
2: <laughs> for an NRLW yeah,
0: We're talking about it's open season in NRLW not for headhunting like in the NRL, but for recruitment. And uh has got some positions to fill. And Beckett is a player that has just gone from strength to strength to strength this year, mate. She's a good all-round package in the halves. She can run, kick, and pass. Defends really well, backs up nicely. There is a place for her prospectively in the NRLW this year, I think.
2: You know, absolutely. She might only be 19 years old, but she's shown it. And if you put her amongst that group, she might not, you know, she'd be a really, really good player on the bench. Because I know down at the Dragons she was playing full back. I think she played somewhere in the back line. Um she'd been playing half for us. But she's got the size. She could you could put her in the front row and she wouldn't she wouldn't um to do herself every single thing that she could do to win.
0: <laughs> yeah, you love that temperament in a player, it makes a huge difference. It's why we love Ray Stone so much. Yeah. Uh that desire to win and put your body on the line regardless of where you're playing. And yeah, the Tasha Gale have been so good this year, they deserve the play finals football. They now all but have iced the position in the postseason, I feel like. If we're just going quickly check that letter again. Um, I imagine there might be a scenario. Yeah, there is technically a scenario where they could lose out and then have four and against blowout against them. But they just take care of business the next two weeks they are playing finals football. And that'll be a huge landmark for the club. Really looking forward to seeing it happen. And we'll talk about it when it does. Um, I think that's a pretty neat place to wrap things up, boys. We had big wins in the NRL, New South Wales Cup, Jersey Flag, Harold Matthews and Tasha Gale. Uh, heartbreaking loss for more than one reason, in the NRLW. Obviously, we, our hearts go out to Bo Tillvetty Welsh. Hope she has a speedy recovery. Ditto for Ray Stone, an absolute legend. And then, obviously, in the SG Ball, another tough loss. But all in all, a pretty good weekend for the Parramatta Eels, boys.
2: Absolutely good to be a fan of the blue and gold. That's
0: it. And uh, we'll be back midweek for our preview podcast. Hopefully, with the glorious leader Hamish back in tow and telling us where and what to say, what to do, like any good dictator does. But uh what
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, ha- what's um, his name? Ham Ham what was it? Uh, Ham
2: Oh, uh, uh, what's this North Korean black's name? Ham uh, Jong un or Kim yeah,
1: that's it it. Kim Jong
0: Ham. Ham. And I think uh, I think he also came back with his own dictator title too, so <laughs> it's, there's some uh, some quality memes going around on the podcast. But as always, good to talk to you boys about the football, good to have a huge win in the NRL plus all the other action on the weekend. And we'll be back to the preview podcast so uh hopefully some Good ten Mr. Don, dive into and dissect.
1: Thanks, man. Oh, bless Ray Stoney. Bless <laughs> Stoney. Thank you, man. Very Good great. way to sign off, mate.